best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the party, pal. The mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields, with our your other host, Mitch Lucas. How you doing, Mitch? I'm good. I'm excited to talk. Uh, you know, you know who. So yeah, absolutely. Before we get going, just a quick reminder that uh, welcome to the party, pal. Is part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out the vast and growing array of podcasts they have to offer have to offer that is osirispod.com today we got a good one we um we're gonna we're gonna talk to, about and celebrate the prolific storyteller and director richard donner he um he recently passed away at the age of 91 and i use the word prol- prolific and uh, i could not mean that more his um his output the films that he was involved in um you know from from 1961 to his last film in 06 is just absolutely stunning. And we're going to discuss some of those films, just discuss his, uh, his style, just, just everything. He, it was, he was a really, really special director, and I'm thrilled to celebrate his work here today. Uh, to get us going, Mitch, what, um, when did you first come upon Donner's work? Is there anything um, that, that you kind of just, you know, general thoughts about uh, this great director that you want to, want to uh expound upon well it's uh he just was the perfect director for the time period of growing up and and you know the first thing i knew about i think the first thing i ever saw that he directed was obviously goonies and that was around the first time i i, I think years later i started identifying directors and connecting other movies they 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 they'd made and um you know, he just sort of stands as as just a bright and happy spot in terms of the things he's made. Uh, it's just they, even if it's action adventure, there's just something uh, hap- there's something bright about what he what he did. No question. That's a, that's that's a really good way to put it. You know, what's I'm really happy to talk about him and just kind of like celebrate him. And I think it's because I, I you know, once he passed, and you know, I took the time to like look at all the films he's worked on. Um, you know, I realized I wasn't talking about him a lot. You know, I talk, you know, we talk film, television here. I talk about it with a lot of people in my life. And, you know, I talk about great directors all the time. And I, I, I honestly, I'm not ashamed to admit it, but I, I guess I should be. I was never really bringing up Richard Donner. And I was thinking about why. Why is that the case? And one thing, as I overthought that, uh, that just came to mind, is what's really unique about his work is there's not like... um a singular style across all his films. Like, you know, when you see a Spielberg film or you see a Tarantino film, um, you know, it, it screams out who that is. You know it's one of their works. And if you look at all the work he's done across all these genres, they just, you know, it's, there's not a certain stamp on it that's his. And I mean that as a compliment. Um, I think a lot of that could come from, you know, his work. He cut his teeth in television, um, Kojak and, and um, uh, Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, a bunch of other um, television shows. And when you're doing that and you're just directing a few television shows, you, you don't really step in and uh, you know, make, your, you know, make your stylistic mark. You, really, you just tell the story that's there, let the co- characters do, do the heavy lifting. But um, I think it was kind of a, 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 
it's a compliment. It's a it's it's really something special that you didn't really know he was behind the ca- camera for all these films until until personally I took a step back after we lost him and, and just looked at everything he did and just like, damn, that is this is so impressive, and it, it, I mean really one of one of one of the more accomplished and like I said prolific directors that there have been in recent you know modern film history. Yeah, I I I think that. You know, what I would say is how he might be different from um, somebody who you know based on their cinematography or their tone is there's nothing self-serving about his films. Um, they really well were, they're really out there for the entertainment value. And when I say entertainment, I don't just mean like action adventure, bombs mm-hmm. blowing. I mean, it, he's he's after the, the full feeling of, of just like, being able to do action adventure and comedy all at the same time and yep. suspense and it, he just he just had a really well-rounded ability to make movies, tell stories. He 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 didn't really need he didn't really need that that sort of inner um inner voice. Uh it, it yep. was really it was really the the language of movies and he just was he was just great at it, you know, I, I, it, you, I almost can see a thread when I look at when I see the mm. titles, you mm. know. But it's not a, it's not a, a, a sort of, it's not a Jim Jarmusch, Jim Jarmusch kind of thread. It's a, it's a, it's just something a little bit more. I think the word bright does sort of like remain throughout those, but um, it's it's not something that's in the cinematography. It's not in the mm. music. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just in the. It, I, I do think there's just a tone that is a little bit consistent. But he wasn't after that. He was just trying to tell best story he could, yep. and serving the you know getting it out to people who were really going to enjoy it. The language of movies. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean because. You know, his his big first film uh, was The Omen in '76. It's a deeply scary yeah. film. It's really we'll call intense. that a bright film. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's it's. There's not too much more that's uh, you know dark like that. But um, you know, he really uh, it, you know became uh, you know riz to prominence um, with Superman. And to kind of drive home the point I was making about that you know singular style thing and just you know what what you were just speaking on. When you think of the superhero films um, that have come uh, since him and, and because of the, his work, and we'll get into that, uh, there's always a director like immediately attached to it, meaning like, you know, it, it Burton's Batman. Like it's you think about it like that, Burton's like Batman's or, um, you know, uh, Nolan's Batman's or Zach Snyder's uh, Superman's. When you think of Superman, you just think of Superman. It's not like Donner's Superman, and I just exactly. I think that really just speaks to and back to the your language of music thing. It's just it is what it is, but it is deeply impactful for what cinema and what movies, especially for sci-fi and fantasy and superhero fans. You know, this is this is the first movie tentpole based on a superhero comic character. He there was no roadmap or blueprint for him there was no superhero film industry yes of course you had the adam west uh um you know batman but i mean that was all camp you know no no base in reality and you know what what he did there 
and bringing this to life, um, you know, and making it feel real and, 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 and you know, really, you know, the characters are super relatable. And then also just the whole, you know, how he, 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 he made us believe this man could fly and, and, and do the things he did. It set up things to, to move forward so that we could have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We could have Nolan's Batman. I mean, Nolan himself said, you know, I, I want to do for Batman what Donner did for Superman. The influence of Superman, uh, to get to my point, is just gargantuan. Yeah. Well, I guess I have to backtrack and say that would have been the first Richard Donner film I would have seen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I did see that uh, when I was really, really little and absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. And you're right. You know, what? what's great about those films is because, you know, they weren't his film just seems to be really just in set in the modern time period of, of mm-hmm. when of 1980 or 70, 78, 79. But there wasn't a, as much of a stylization to Metropolis. You know, it was, it was just very, it was very of time and it was sort of a cool way to do it. When you look back at that film, it isn't, it isn't necessarily timeless visually, but that's a. I just like that 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 it's just. This is the time it takes place now, yep. and mm-hmm. it, there's a sort of like it just goes back to what I'm saying. It, there's there's just an ease to it and a non fussiness yeah. to it that I yep. think is really fresh, remains fresh. Um, with with uh, it, it really is a contrast to how how much uh, sort of layering and painting of mm. the backdrop and the settings that you see with like a Zack Snyder type of film or not so much with Christopher Nolan, I think, but I think Superman in, in Richard Donner's vision was a, a, a pretty fun world. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. There's definitely some drama and some conflict, but it's, there's a freshness to it. Yeah. I love, uh, I watched the behind the scenes kind of a, a filming um they were showing some filming of like the the new you know the newspaper office and it could have looked like any other 70s film just like the hustle and bustle and they had a steady cam going through it and uh, just it just you know you're right it was just set in the present and in that moment and it just it's 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 amazing i mean he he really he set things up right i mean he was the one um that chose Christopher Reeve for this role. Like there was, you know, the big names were, were getting looked at for this. And he did meet with Sylvester Stallone, but he was completely determined to cast an unknown. And he found that unknown in Christopher Reeve, who was in a soap opera at the point uh, called Love of Life. I think he saw him in a play and was kind of blown away by them. But he really wanted to make the characters feel real. And I think that having that unknown was, you know, completely uh, uh, important with that. Um, but it did. It was. It was. It was a film that was popular with, um, you know, fans, artists, and critics alike. Uh, huge, huge hit. You know, it was budgeted for fifty-five million. It grossed. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was over three hundred million. And again, to speak to the legacy, um, uh, this is a Kevin uh, Foggy quote who runs Marvel Universe, and he said that Richard Donner. Not only made me believe a man could fly, he made me believe that comic book characters could be brought to lo- to the big screen with heart, hum- humor, heart and humor. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my little quote here. Above all, he taught me that it can be done with respect, caring, and kindness to everyone in front of and behind the camera. I mean, 
there's all these filmmakers I mentioned that Nolan quote a minute ago that that you know are bringing these superheroes to life are you know walking in his his, his footsteps right now in a good way. It's 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 he he set the tone in a realistic way and 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 it wasn't over the top except when it needed to be. Um, and and you know there's certain moments where it definitely gets a little little wild when we meet um. Marlon Brando's yeah. character and stuff, but it just, it wasn't, it, it, it was set in reality first so that we could believe and relate to the characters. And, you know, that's a lot of that's on him. A lot of the script writing was, he was heavily involved in and to, to, to make it like that. And so he, um, he did, he was involved in, uh, Superman two super heavily, almost, almost, um, finished shooting the whole thing but when it was released he was uncredited because uh before before it was finished uh there was some button the heads i think if a budget was involved or something but he was not a part of it when it was completely finished which is but he actually got to go back and do a a, a director's cut of it in 2006 um so who's credited as the director of that film was it richard jenkins or, uh, or is it like an alan smitty Film <laughs> like I forget exactly who. Okay. Uh, I, I'll have to look that up. Um, so that came soon afterwards, and then the, the did you have do you have any relationship with the toy? Yeah, I I I have always loved the toy. I still watch it to this day. It, I think it's on streaming now. I've been I eyeballing a new look at it, but it is. Uh, I mean, it is just so so funny and. Uh, it's just, I mean, to be able to go from like Superman to an over-the-top comedy like that, it just means you you have a great all-around skill for telling stories, and you know, you're not trying to match each film you make so that it looks perfect in your final portfolio. You're just making a great movie, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he took it from there to the Goonies, which has its own uh, completely different look and, and vibe as well. I mean, that was a script from. Uh, uh, Chris Columbus and the story was actually by Spielberg um, but then I mean then he's working with um, just a, a grouping of kids and that's I mean uh, even though there was a kid involved in the omen that's a new thing right there and telling this you know adventure story uh, with the with the viewpoint of of children and just these wide-eyed kids and he did say it was a big deal working with kids he said he learned more from these kids than he thinks he's ever learned from anyone in the business there was all this natural instinct and, uh, you know, and uncontaminated talent and things that came out of them were so pure and honest. And if you think of how, you know, I think of the acting of those kids, it was so earnest and just, you know, uh, you think of Sean Astin, like really like leaning into this, th- this role. And, and the Goonies is, uh, I've seen that just so many times at this point, I've had the chance to share it with my daughter and I just, it's, it still hits it's still so much fun. There's so much heart in it. And I think it shows that he must have had, and I've seen this written about him some, a lot of childlike wonder and a lot of spirit and a lot of fun in him to bring something like this to life. It, it, it's it, the only way that happens, and you see it on screen, is if the director has that in him. And he had to have. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, not to like compare it to anything else, but... I think that there's a spirit in Goonies that a lot of filmmakers have tried to uh, capture and emulate. And without saying that he, you know, I just think that film, when you talk about the dialogue between the kids and the, and the sort of banter and, and those, those specific actors and the, 
the the talent and the sort of personalities and the voices that they had all together i just haven't seen anything that that you know stranger things it there's been a lot that have Mm -hmm, had mm -hmm. great moments and you know but that goonies is sort of just an original for me in that sense there's just so the everything is just so off the cuff in terms of how they talk it's like they were you know you you watch things now and and there's a there's a sort of a, a place they won't go. There's a sort of like a a, a dirtiness or like a, a, a I don't know. There's a censoring to yeah, to what yeah. you see. But with Goonies, it was like there, it was no holds barred <laughs> yeah. in terms of their language. But it was yep. it was the things that happened that were a little bit more lighthearted. You know, something mm-hmm. like Stranger Things. There's like death and murder and all these things, but like there's like a little bit of a, a censor, censoring in terms of what you can say now. Um, yeah. So I, you know, bad news. I would say like a disnification of something. Yes. You know? There's just something in the dialogue, but Goonies really, it, it's a, maybe a great throwback to like bad news bears when, uh-huh. you know, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want to say the things that they said in that film, but like there's just <laughs> an edge to that. There's an edge to it that you don't quite get nowadays. And he, he captured that really well. Definitely, and yeah, it it really makes things feel weird. You felt like you were watching something when you were younger, kind of above your head, even though yeah. you were watching like a kid, a kids, uh, a kids film at all. And just it is, it's so it it, it ultimately ends up, you know, with the boat uh, uh, at the end, the the, the treasure chest, and I mean, it, it, it's completely magical. It's, yeah, it's just I mean, oh, you're working your way through the whole caves and everything. It's 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 a magical magical movie, and you're right. It, I feel. So many people have been trying to emulate it in the relationships with the kids and the variety of kids and the henchmen and just everything about it. It's just it's something that people are probably turning to and trying to time, trying to emulate time and time again. And we'll see that for a long time coming. That uh, that scene where everybody sort of comes over in the beginning and he's not supposed to leave and uh, Corey yeah. Feldman comes in and he's like combing his hair and he's I, I mean. He's like referencing like Motown and doing like a Groucho Marx impression. I mean, as a little as like a kid, because I was exactly the same age as them. I'm just like, uh-huh. what is all this? What is he even talking about? <laughs> so I was just uh-huh. one little bit I wanted to throw in about it. Yeah. You know, that was fun just to think about us personally, that we were exactly the same age as those kids when, when they were watching, which definitely hit home. Um What's your relationship with the Lethal Weapon franchise? The, he did all four of those. Wow! Um, and yeah, the first two did real. I guess the th- I think they all did well, but um, the first two were. Ju- they, I mean, they they're very good action films that are considered by you know critics. It's not just you know people who like action films like them. They're considered very very good films. And yeah, I was a big fan. Did you did you enjoy those? I you know I've I've sort of seen one two and three at different points in my life i've never sat and watched Mm -hmm. all of them i did rewatch lethal weapon 2 so that we could sort of talk about it in a fresh way and it 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 looked like i'd seen the movie in like every like 80 percent of it um Uh but yeah it it is really it's just a really interesting like i i would say it's one of those movies and i'm sure we all have them where we have seen it but we don't feel like we're part of the group like we don't feel yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. part of the the secret club of people who like mm-hmm. are in love with it. So I would say I'm a little bit outside the club, but I do I do like those films and and I 
I also really I've always loved. I think I saw three in the theater, and I love Joe Pesci's. Mm-hmm. That was his second version of it. His second. Yes. Uh, Leo Leo, Leo Getz, yeah. whatever you want. Leo Getz. But he sort of figured it out in the th- in the third one. Like he had it down yeah. really well. Definitely. I mean, it is. Those are iconic characters, though. It's. I mean, it's 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 a really renowned buddy cop thing. The the you know it's it's you know we could. There's a lot of negative things we could definitely say about Mel uh, at this point, which is which is a, sh- a shame. But I mean, it is who he is. He did it to himself, but or, or that's who he is. Um, but I mean, as far as acting at that point, he was at the top of his game. I mean, you know, not only was he a good-looking, you know, person who could handle this action role, he was a good actor. I mean, the character was kind of completely unstable. It was like mental health issues going on. The first, you know, the first. In Lethal Weapon 1, it doesn't take long before he has a gun in his mouth and he's contemplating taking his own life. But um, He's young and he's fresh-faced and like he has that thing where he can just throw a pair of jeans on and throw a t-shirt on and just tuck it in on their way to like the next like meetup. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, he, he really shines in those and, you know, it's hard to, it's sort of hard to watch him knowing he's like gone in a different, he doesn't rep- he doesn't yeah. resemble that that character whereas back then mm. you felt like that might be him in real life and that always helps you know with I, the authenticity I got to tell it. you it's funny looking back cuz I've watched these films at a very young age now that I look back my I've talked about it on this show before my parents didn't really regulate the R rated movies back in the day and I would um I really romanticized his lifestyle of, of just kind of being out there winging it in the world, kind of having fun. And then even living, he had like his own, uh, you know, he had like a camper down by the beach. Oh, I just yeah. thought it was all the coolest thing. I thought he was cool. I thought he was really, really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, he was always getting the girl and the whole thing. I thought he was super, super cool. And it's, it's, it's wild watching it now when you realize like he was struggling. The character was struggling really, really hard. But, you know, uh, Donald Glover's so good in those. They really they put his character through the ringer uh, so Danny, hard. Danny and so Glover, right? Dan, sorry, Danny Glover. Uh, they put his character through the ringer in so many ways. There's, it's it, the, the in part two. That's a really funny thing. How um, his daughter's in a, a, a condom commercial, and just then he's on the the scene on the toilet. You really, it's just it's all those are like iconic scenes and. He's just—he's he, amazing he's so comedically. Good. He, my he one is. of my favorite comedies is *Pure Luck* with he and Martin Short. Uh-huh. Have you ever Martin seen Short? That? Yep. That's oh, I mean, he's sure. just of like the perfect straight man. I mean, he just is—he's—he's he's really really works in these. And uh, are they going to do another one of these someday, or is it done? I I don't know. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, now that Donner has passed, that could that could change. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they they took it. It's a whole television series now. Yeah, Maybe that's what it was. Based, okay. Based on the characters, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was huge. Again, it was it was super successful. All films, all four films grossed over $900 million. Um, it was just, it was it was a really, really big deal. And I definitely enjoyed, specifically, I really enjoyed the first two. Um, I didn't mean to jump over Lady Hawk. I didn't have a relationship. It's it's. I mentioned it just because it, it would be remiss if we didn't it's actually a lot of people i know and i've seen a lot of uh, uh you know film and television writers talk about how much they appreciated back in 1985 it's a matthew broderick period piece i didn't see it when i was younger and uh, i didn't I'll, either I'll, uh, 
Yeah, I tried to revisit it recently, and um, it wasn't hitting. And I knew, you can tell, I could tell that if I saw it at the right time, which was, yeah. you know, in the in the 80s, it would have hit the, um, I was having a hard time, but it's got that thing where they kind of use more modern music over mid- medieval oh, thing, yeah, which yeah. can work. You know, I've seen it in, you know, what, uh, Marie Antoinette work. Peaky Blinders does it a lot in a cool way. It was just, it, just, it wasn't hidden, but... It's 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 real. It's known, and I just I I had to mention it because it's 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 probably good. It just hit me at the wrong moment. Maybe that was um, his auteur film that didn't hit, and he went back to, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, no, because well, what happens next is going to be a fun run of films we can talk about real quick. Because Scrooge comes next, but I was looking at what happened between Scrooge's nineteen eighty eight and to conspiracy theory. Or it will even say Lethal Weapon 4, 98. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those eight films. Scrooge, Lethal Weapon 2, Radio Flyer, which I want to mention something about in a bit. Lethal Weapon 3, Maverick, Assassins, and Conspiracy Theory. In, uh, in those nine years, those films coming out, I think I saw them all in the theater. Like, he was putting out these big, big movies that were coming. You know, the Lethal Weapon movies were big summer movies. Scrooge, um which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite Christ, uh, holiday films. It's it's really amazing. But even, you know, Maverick was, it was a lot of fun. James Gardner was so great in that. Assassins was a big uh, Banderas, uh, Stallone piece. Conspiracy Theory was a big, huge movie with Julia Roberts kind of in still, you know, in, in her peak of, of popularity with Mel Gibson. Like, these are all just really big films that he was a part of bringing to life, you know? He's... It's remarkable when you look at what he did. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean it's it's on it's unreal for someone to have like Goonies, Scrooge, and Lethal Weapon on their on their <laughs> yeah, right and there. Superman. So four yep. four massive hits. I mean, that puts you up there really with I honestly that puts you up there with Spielberg. I mean Jaws, it's, Raiders, I, right? and Jurassic Park right? and Schindler's List. So that's four because I, I mean I guess Spielberg has a couple other massive ones, but like yeah, those sure. are the four that yep. are coming to my head right now. Mm-hmm. So he really yep. technically has four, and those aren't. It isn't like he has sequels attached that were also big. Those are four completely yeah. independent, self-contained, mm-hmm. not based on anything that came before. I don't know a lot of yep. filmmakers that have four. So talking about the things he did later, I mean those were those were still big hits, you know. Uh, maybe not, not as, uh, maybe, well, maybe for some people those are not like, as iconic. Not, yeah, as iconic. not as iconic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's spend a minute on Scrooge though, because it just it's I want to I want to give it some love. I mean, what a vehicle for Bill Murray. First off, but um, it is it it is darker in tone than many um you know holiday films. And uh, Roger Ebert was actually giving it a hard time when it came out and describing how it displays pain and anger more than comedy and i think that's what i liked about it it felt you know you've, you, you 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 just there was a different tone for that season it ended in in a beautiful hopeful way but it was just different it wasn't your run-of-the-mill not there you know yeah. a lot of these holiday movies aren't run-of-the-mill but it just it had its own vibe and um you know as i grew older with it i began to see it in like kind of this different light as as this kind of uh a deep and scathing satire of the industry, entertainment industry, and then also of like 
you know, the loneliness that some of the, you know, this, these powerful and, and, and that, you know, can, can occur when you're wealthy and powerful and narcissistic and, and what your life can be. I thought the, the, it's really, it is, it is definitely my Christmas carol of choice. And I think it's deep and it was, it was, it was dark. And um, then ultimately it was pretty beautiful. Well, I, I remember seeing it the first week and it came out easily. And mm-hmm. I, it, so much of it felt like something I had never seen before. Just the way they were doing the promos of like the CBS uh, promos felt so exact to me of that time period uh-huh. when the when the movie starts and it's like uh, Santa Claus is like with uh, the Bionic Man I can't remember his name or whatever and he's like this is this is one Santa that's going out the front door and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and uh, just so much there's so much weird is that Lee Majors Lee Majors sorry yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, nope. when you're talking about like how it, there's a dark aspect to it, um, he, Bill Murray makes that so funny though because of like yeah, like the, the promo that's like acid rain, nuclear war, terrorism, it, you know, watch Scrooge next week. I it, uh, that's just like Bill Murray makes that funny, and the definitely in the aspect definitely. of it, then talking about like the pain and the loss, and because this is a, a mm-hmm. obviously a person. That, seeing all of his mistakes it's really when he when karen allen really loves him and it's very obvious that he's got the one in his life and she you know she they're supposed to go out to meet friends for christmas eve and he's like wants to go to dinner with his boss and he's just sort of not even paying attention to her and you realize that's where he lost it that's the moment that really he sort of lost her and lost his sense of self Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. That is a really that is a really deep man. Sad. You, know. deep. you don't hit that, yeah. that. That doesn't hit you until you're maybe older. And, Definitely. You know, yeah. but but uh, it's it's really painful to to see him make such a a blatant mistake and and you know to let go of something that he's so lucky to have. In Could his have life. been so special. Yeah, yeah. the film's um, real. Uh, it's well known. The kind of what was going on behind the scenes there. There was a lot of button heads between Donner and um, Bill Murray. Oh, I never knew that. And cre- yeah, a lot of creative differences there. Um, it was, well, because Bill was coming in. It was, uh, he took four years yeah. off after Ghostbusters. And he came in, he was a little rusty. He wanted to do a lot of rewrites. And they definitely, Bill actually says he doesn't like talking about the time period. He said there was a lot of misery mm-hmm. Uh, bringing that film to life and and you know it's it's and Donner's got his own things that he said about it but I mean in the end I really you know whatever struggle they went through to get it done I thought they brought to life um, a gem it seems to be getting its flowers now as like a as a Christmas classic but it wasn't it was underrated uh, holiday film for years on end and I just look at the, the whole cast was awesome Karen Allen was awesome uh, Carol Kane Alfred Woodard was in it. Even Robert Mitchum was there. And, and you mentioned one of the cameos. There was a bunch of cameos. Lee he has uh, the Ma- Bill Murray's like co-worker. She's also in Lethal Weapon as one of the cops. She's blonde. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like... Ah, uh, yes. She's, she's sort of the one that's like evil like him in Scrooged. Uh-huh. I don't yep. know. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, this oh, is yeah. great. I love, you know, she's <laughs> like sort of smiling with him when he's like, put a, put a you know... Put a message like anyone with a heart condition has to leave the room. She's sort of like I'm on yeah. it. Yep, I'm on it. She she don't give a fuck. Um, uh, the other cameos I was going to mention: Miles Davis, Paul Schaefer, uh, Miles Robert Davis, Goulet as himself. 
Miles Davis was in one of the scenes. Absolutely. Really? Um, so just to like, kind of like, just thinking of his legacy as a whole, um, you know, and we've touched base indeed. I think we like really settled into those, you know, four cornerstones of, of, of his legacy. But I just think about it. I mean, he's, he's the guy at this point that could be looked at as, as found the way to bring superhero movies to the big screen. He nailed absolutely nailed a buddy cop movie that people will be emulating that kind of style and that buddy cop relationship for a long time. He created a pairing of childhood classics that I know everyone in my generation, uh, it just looks up to in just a, a major way. And so because they do, they're going to be showing their children and love of Goonies and, and hopefully the toy, but definitely the love of Goonies will be living on for a while. He made a legendary Christmas movie now in Scrooge. Uh, he's also known, I want to throw this in, because this one's well-known. Um, he was the director of uh, uh, just a very well-known Twilight Zone episode. It's called Nightmare oh, wow. at 20,000 Feet. That's the one with William Shatner. Okay. It was like a, yeah. a, 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 the, an alien on the wing. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's one of the most iconic and well-known Twilight Zone episodes. It's that they actually did a Simpsons uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, what, no, not what was it? The ter- Treehouse of Terror episode. Like they did a, a skit on it. It's really, really well known with William Shatner. But I mean, look at all that. Well, he was I an mean, actor too, like, right? And my, I don't know if you have this, but wasn't he? I don't. Wasn't he the guy in the beginning of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that's like looking over the ads? <laughs> was if he? I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll have to look it up. I'm. <laughs> I'm yeah. fairly certain it was, but like I don't have. That's awesome. But yeah, he was he was in Lethal Weapon, you know, as one uh-huh, of the uh-huh. the chiefs oh, yeah. and stuff. So he he was a great uh-huh. actor as well. Definitely, he even uh, he even produced the uh, the Lost Boys. I, I think Free Willy too. There's he has some he has some really big production credits as well. Um, uh, uh, Spielberg had a quote I kind of uh, I'd like to use that he he said it was kind of touching uh, after after he passed and he he said that. Dick had such a powerful command of his his movies and was so grif- gifted across so many genres, as we've been talking about. Being in his circle was akin to hanging out with your favorite coach, smartest professor, fiercest motivator, most endearing friend, and, of course, the greatest Goonie of all time. He was a kid, all heart, all the time. And it's, it's, it was, it's just so great seeing a legend like that saying, saying something so, so yeah. deep and loving about it so gives me chills um, yeah man it's really when i read that it was like that's that that's awesome that's we gotta close with that um speaking of closing any other closing thoughts about the great richard donner uh well it just gets me excited to watch the toy so watch the toy if you've never seen it it's a bizarre very bizarre movie very bizarre um on that i'd like to i'd like to recommend one more of his films and 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 uh, it's, it's something I've watched a couple times throughout the year. Radio Flyer is a really good movie. Okay. It's a young, a young Elijah Wood, and, and it's, it's, it's got a lot of heart in it. It's actually got narration that starts out by Tom Hanks. It's got a, got a good cast as well. Um, if I could recommend a film of Donner's that I think a lot of you might not have seen. I haven't knows. seen it. It's, uh, yeah, get on it. I think you'll enjoy it, and I think, uh, I think a lot of you out there will as well. So, Mitch, thank you for helping me celebrate uh, Richard Donner. This was fun. Thanks, Mike. This was this was, uh, it was really fun. It was an ode that needed to go down. And thank you, everyone out there, uh, for taking um, uh, yeah, joining the party once again. You see it's late. Oh, please don't hesitate. Put a little love in your heart.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.